Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! What is up, everybody? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, shapes, sizes, abilities, uh, preferences, things in the world, you have the opportunity... Did you see how I carefully chose that word there? You have the opportunity to be yourself in life because everybody else is taken. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to actually earn a living doing something that you care about. Like a lot of us, you might have to just slog it away in some job out there. Best case scenario, you find a company that isn't a total POS, Mm. which is a piece of... Surrender, point of sale. <laughs> it's, it's a point with this. Actually, you want something that is a point of sale because you want it to work at a company that's successful. Because if they fail, then, well, you get fired. But you also want it to not be such a point of sale that it's a POS. Like, that's it, I guess. I don't know. Which, of course, I'm talking about piece of sh- shoes. Because you're going to have to put on your walking shoes if that company fires you. Let me figure out what I'm saying here. If that company fires you, there's security at stake. If the company goes down, you go down. That's one level of insecurity we all kind of live with. But, you know, Oracle's been around for a long time. You could go work for them. Google, they've been around for a long time. You could go work for them. Uh where the re- where the rest of us uh, like ruffians, miscreants, uh, island of misfit toys people have to find ourselves is in this place where we um, where we start our own businesses and we try to go independent, and we really really want to do it. <laughs> do you understand? We really really want to make our own schedules. We really want to be responsible for our own livelihood and be able to be responsible for our own creations in the world and to be able to find an audience for that stuff, to be able to do something meaningful and valuable enough to get us paid and to get our family, you know, fed. This independent living online thing, we've been talking about it for years and years and years. We've been doing it for years and years and years. We've got lots of friends who've been doing it for years and years and years. And it's not at all a um, – there are some sciencey bits to it, right, where you can where you can understand some things that, like, everybody who's doing this kind of understands this sort of thing over here. But then there's a lot of other stuff. There's just a lot of you. A lot of your situation, your unique point of view, your unique place in the world, a lot of art, a lot of making it up as you go. Now, if you've been following the show for the last several weeks, we've been going through what we call the Fizzle Roadmap, which is a roadmap of creating your first business and making it actually successful, okay? It is like a playlist of courses inside the Fizzle library. You can try out Fizzle for free if you haven't yet for five weeks, okay? That's five weeks of like 40 plus courses, community calls every week, these group coaching calls every Friday that we call Fizzle Friday. You've got the community there of entrepreneurs who won't let you quit. It's super easy to jump in, text, chat, hang out, say what's up, leave, go get your work done, come back, report on how you did. The Having the community piece in, in making your own business is, is a real big deal, especially when we come to uh, stages in the roadmap like we're talking about today, okay? Because we're talking about launching your product. Last week, episode 329, we talked about choosing which product you're going to make. Now we're talking about launching that product, and launching isn't what you may think it is. So come at this with a little bit more of a blank slate. Let's uh, not make any assumptions about what a launch is. Because one of the things that we want you to grok by the end of this conversation is what it means to iterate on your product. Because this is one of the uh, the gems, the magic things, the, the magic powers of the modern-day entrepreneur. On the show today, it is myself, Chase Wardman-Reeves. I don't know what that name sounds like to you. It sounds like it could be a knight. Corbett, do you think a Chase Wardman Reeves could be a mm. knight, or do you think he's just like a ShamWow guy, uh, like a like an old timey ShamWow guy, like uh, like yeah, an old timey like ShamWow? Yeah. You're going from town to town. You've got yep. this ShamWow, yep. but back then it was probably made of ap- actual uh, like sheepskin, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's she- it's sheep wow. It was sheep wow. <laughs> sheep wow. And that is my illustrious co-host Corbett Barr. Corbett, say hello. Hey everybody. Thanks for being here. Hey. Chase. Howdy. 
Howdy, man. It's just you and I, baby. I love it. It's just it's just back to the old school. Back to the old school. Corbin and I started up Fizzle. Uh, well, the email, we just had the, the anniversary of the, of the email, the first email that Corbett sent, mm-hmm. like seven years ago. Ugh. Terrific. Old-timey. Terrific. Fewer now, gray hairs. When we, when we launched Fizzle, um, you had done a, can you, could, can you like tell us about, like, let's talk, we're talking about launching. Yeah. Okay. And we're talking about iterating over time. Mm-hmm. Can you talk ab- to us about where we were, where you were at, th- at the current site that you were doing at the time when we launched Think Traffic and how like you thought about launching Fizzle, how you iterated this kind of stuff that we're going to get into today. Can we open it up with just the, the, yeah. what you did at Fizzle? Yeah. I love the, the, the launch of fizzle and the process that we went through. And um, there's a couple of articles we can link to in the show notes about the launch. There was like a two part series that we did because it went really well. And Mm. it was kind of the culmination, I think of what uh, we had learned from launching products and observing people launch products over time. And also it was one of the first times that we had really pushed hard on the concept of an MVP, right? Mm. We had um, been reading about it. And, um, I think a lot of times I had in the past had built things that just took forever and I tried to perfect them before I put them out. In this case with fizzle, we really forced ourselves to build the initial version in around Mm. eight weeks. I don't know if you remember, I think it was maybe seven weeks. We had like Mm -hmm. July and August and a little bit of September and, uh, and, and put a date out there. And that initial date wasn't like. Hey, this thing is is fully baked and forever available as is. It was we're going to open the doors and let some people in and get some feedback and 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 then see what direction we want to go from there. And so we did an iterative launch process. We had a couple of groups we called charter members. So we we put the thing together in seven weeks. We set a date. We opened the doors and we said we're going to allow the first one hundred people in as charter members or until, you know, 48 hours pass or something like that. And you remember that the energy of those charter members, I mean, of course they had all kinds of suggestions and feedback and things to give us, but at the same time, like those people really paved the way for the success that we saw over the first couple of years, I'd say, because um, they felt like owners in a way, or like they were bought Mm. in to what we had yeah. done at Fizzle. So yeah. um, just, you know, in today talking about launches and I'm glad you brought up the launch of Fizzle, even though that was seven years ago, it's still super relevant today because we see people botch launches all the mm. time. Yeah. And, you know, I like to say that um, a launch is an important event because it's a one-time thing in your, in your company or in your product, mm. right? And it's important to consider it and to make the most of it. Now, on the other hand, a launch isn't the only thing that your business is going to do. And the success of your business will be measured over many, many years, or maybe even longer, it could be decades. So you, you'll look back and maybe you'll look fondly at the launch because it was, it was a, a great boost, or maybe you'll flub it a little bit. And if you flub it, it doesn't mean that it's the end, right? And uh, today, I think, is partly about discerning between a successful launch and a failed launch or, you know, a fizzled launch and um, kind of understanding, well, what does that mean and where do we go from here? Yeah. Okay. so what I love so much about this story about fizzle is uh, is this this drive that we had to just make a, what we call a minimum viable product, which is a hot term. Hot terms. Hot terms. Chase Reeves. <laughs> the, the, the idea of MVP really, to me, my introduction to it came out of Lean Startup, that Eric Rees book. Yeah. I don't know if it predates that, but it was just generally, and, and really the agile software methodology mm-hmm. seemed to have inspired this whole thing. Now, if you were Oracle and you had millions of lines of code in your products, your 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 product was really millions of lines of code, um, what would happen is you'd have these worker bee farmer coder people that your entire business relied on. 
on. And so you needed to find ways to get them to be as efficient as possible without like burning them out. And all this stuff was where the idea for agile software development arose. Now, agile software development is like is like a platonic maths about uh about creating software it's really good stuff it's like uh you could anybody like like my buddy up in portland he was he was teaching agile software methodology or ideas to lawyers so that their work would would go smoother mm-hmm. and better why because agile methods are just they're really thoughtful they're really intelligent and they 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 make sense of a lot of the things that all of us humans deal with um However, this idea of a minimum viable product was the like like kind of the capstone piece for me out of that whole lean startup and all of that conversation and minimum viable product as we've talked about in the previous episode and maybe every episode of the Fizzle Show and certainly lots and lots of of things throughout the time but our courses as well it's like the smallest little product that you can make that is also viable. So it's the minimum viable product, right? Now, I don't know where I where where I really want to go and dig in on this, Corbett. Do you do you have any idea sense that like of what people need to understand about the minimum viable product? Like can you pull apart a little bit in what ways the fizzle launch was a minimum viable product or we I mean we did it in 7 weeks, we threw it together and we had this idea of just letting it evolve and develop with feedback with the people. Is that what a minimum viable product is? Well, it's really a judgment call, right? Because what you're trying to do here is put something together that you believe solves enough of the core problem that you're trying to help your customer with in as short a time as possible so that you um, eliminate some of the risk of building something that nobody wants and you get to that magical place of feedback as soon as possible. We talked a mm-hmm. lot about feedback in last week's episode and yeah. uh, there, there are different kinds of feedback. Now you can sit down and have customer conversations and that's something that we advocate for and you can learn a lot from a customer, but you're not really going to know if they will buy something until you put something in front of them and put a buy button on it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. the point of a minimum viable product is to get to a place where you can get something that's useful enough that customers are willing to pay for it and care about it enough to give you that really important feedback so that you can decide what to do next. Now, you have to decide what's going to go into the minimum viable product, and some people will err on the side of doing more so that it's in better shape, and some people will do less. It's possible Mm -hmm. that you build too little and people are um, disappointed in what you released, mm. right? Mm, yeah. So, yeah. so that that's where kind of the judgment comes in. Um, but like I said before, the the point is to hopefully get people on board so that they can help you determine the direction of of your product as it goes forward. You may release your minimum viable product and find out that you have a hit on your hands. Like people may love mm. it. And they may just have like some helpful suggestions. Maybe you really nailed it or um, maybe you have a lot of work to do. And, and this point and, and what we're talking about today is really another phase or another stage in the fizzle roadmap. This is a little further down the line. So, you know, we've already started building an audience. We've already built a product. Now we're going to put those two things together and see what the audience thinks of that product and try to figure out what to do next. Yeah. Okay. I love this. Right. So, We have this product, we're going to launch it, and then we're going to see how that launch went. We're going to iterate, fix, we're going to upgrade or double down or pivot and make shifts. I want you to see this in your head when you're at the fizzle roadmap, you can see the kind of like the way that it looks graphically. There's there's almost this like this feedback loop that starts where it's like evaluate, fix and iterate after your launch, you evaluate it. You fix anything that needs to be fixed, and then you iterate, which means I'm either going to launch this again or I'm going to take it towards something else. I'm going to make a decision about what I'm going to do next. Now, that decision might mean, like Corbett said, everything. Like I evaluate my current launch. How did it go? It went well. 
And so we're going to keep going with this. And it might mean uh, it didn't go so well. And we have more. We have to we have to we're going to decide what needs to be done next to either understand what went wrong or we know what went wrong. People don't want this product. People don't want this solution. People don't want this problem solved or whatever. We're going to move this pivot it towards a different problem or towards a different market or something like that. When you have a dud product, when you have a dud MVP launch, it doesn't mean the end of the world. You know, in fact, I, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs you're going to meet in your life who are actual. And I don't mean like the people you know about. I don't mean like Gary Vaynerchuk and like people on YouTube or something like that getting interviewed in podcasts. I just mean, you know, I don't know if you've ever met someone who's just a regular entrepreneur in, in life. Like I, that's why I, I feel like my eyes have been opened over the last several years to just regular entrepreneurs because I was always comparing myself to people who other people knew about. Or really, to people who I knew about, knew about, right? The people who are writing books, people who are hosting podcasts or being interviewed on podcasts. But there's a whole other world of entrepreneurship where you're like, you don't know any of their names. And they really don't need you to know their name. <laughs> They're just profitable, working their thing away. They've got a valuable solution. It's almost like if that dry cleaner down the street from you, like the, the ladies uh, who work in there or the family that works there or whatever it is, if they were making like really solid money and they really didn't need you to think uh, anything one way or the other about them. Now, a lot of dry cleaners aren't necessarily making a lot of money, Corbett Bar, but that old school business, it's back, baby. It's coming back where you don't have to be some <laughs> famous Instagram famous something something to be successful. Um, remember that because who you are comparing yourself to and what the conversation in your head is like around your own success and what you need to be in order to be successful will absolutely come up in the launch of your MVP. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It will. Big time. I mean this is this is it, right? You're putting it all on the line and uh I think we talked a little bit last week about how emotional this process can feel and how it can bring up all of these feelings of self-doubt and 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 judgment and self-worth because it's natural as an entrepreneur to feel like um when you put something out there if people don't like it that it's a judgment against you and as entrepreneurs we have to remember that we are just making an educated guess here we believe that there are people out there who have this problem that we can help with and if we build this product they will be able, they will be willing to pay us for that thing. Mm -hmm. And um, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that you aren't cut out to be an entrepreneur or that you made some um, big failure along the way. It, it might just mean that um, there was an error in your calculation. Maybe the, the need wasn't as strong as you thought it was, mm -hmm. or maybe the way that you built the product um, didn't appeal to people in a certain way. Maybe you didn't package it in, in a great, you know, snazzy kind of yeah. way you see this all the time i imagine chase in in the physical world like looking at how people are launching bags and clothing and uh a lot of stuff that starts on kickstarter maybe but but also stuff yeah. where people are just reaching out hoping hoping to get like on your radar so that you could do a review that that drops when they launch yeah no totally now when i think of launching i, I love this point that you're making corbett just about like when we launch, a lot of emotional stuff is going to come up because it's a performance. Have you, you know, like like that whole, I don't know if it's still the truth, but or if it ever was the truth, that like the biggest fear was public speaking, like the thing most people the, yeah, are afraid of. Yeah, that and followed by heights, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So the, followed by what? Followed what, by spiders. What? It's like, it's just old code, right? It's that stuff deep in your totally. brain that's like... Totally. Well, I don't know no, where public the, speaking it, comes from. Why would we be afraid of that? That's interesting. Well, right? because we're so social, yeah. I think. And the, the biggest you worry about danger losing in a, ground in your social standing, right? Exactly. Well, you learn, you worry about being ostracized and kicked out and left to go ro wander and roam. Like you just like you're off into the badlands. You know, I, I don't know what it was, but it's that's what it feels like to me. It's like it's like oh, I don't belong here anymore. I'll never belong here. I never did belong here. Is the kind of criticism and judgment I can. I can just be leveling at myself um, in my head totally uh, unaccurately. 
you know, totally just making up this criticism about myself because this launch didn't go the way I wanted it to or the way I expected it to. And oftentimes I don't know my expectations of something uh, until they're disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's where in launching your thing, the like just write, just write in your journal for a little while about what are your expectations? What do you think is going to happen? What do you want to happen? Notice that after you launch, go back and read it and see how you did. This is a great way to evaluate um, how the launch actually did by just rereading something you wrote about how you think the launch is going to go and just force yourself to fill up like three pages of something. Go write a lot, write a lot. Um, why do that? Because it just starts flushing up those uh, expectations. It starts getting you in the game a little bit more because when you launch an MVP of some kind, when you make a, a hypothesis and you put it out there, like I said, it's almost it's like public speaking. It's like standing up and saying, "Hey, this thing is good. You should. I vouch for it. You should get. You should try this out." And uh, if everybody, if a lot of other people are out there and they, and it doesn't resonate with them and it just like water off a duck back in, in one ear out the other, um, that's going to be a little bit of feedback for you. Or if they catch what you're, if they hear what you're, what you're saying, they might even have that problem, but they might have thought it through more than you. <laughs> and they're like, well, I don't think this is going to work because of this. And then in one comment, <laughs> like your whole business crumbles because this person thought about it more than you, but you're the one who has been trying to put together a whole business. Now, there's two places you can go from there. One of them is, uh, well, there's three. One of them is you don't do anything and you just <laughs> ignore it. You deny it. <laughs> just like kind of like that didn't happen. La, 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 la. <laughs> and just kind of go for it. The other one is you go, I'm a total POS, point of sale, piece of crap. And I uh, and I need to I need to stop doing this business and all other businesses because I am a curse to humanity. All right. You might be making some stuff up there or you can go to the the sort of like taking feedback mode, which is to say, imagine like you are in a boxing ring uh, and, and uh, like a boxing class and you've got like the sparring headset on and the big fluffy boxing gloves because you're sparring. It's like when someone hits you, you're not surprised. Okay. When you're doing business and someone hits you back in the form of a comment, in the form of feedback, right? Like we were talking about last week. If you didn't listen to episode 329, really, really, really highly recommend going back because it was one of my favorite conversations here on this show because it, it, it's just this feedback thing is such a big deal in making intelligent decisions as you go as an entrepreneur. So when you get that feedback, when you launch your thing, you deal with the expectations and the despair and the dread and the doubt and the worry and the excitement of launching and you put it out there and you're starting to get some feedback. My request of you or my encouragement to you is just like, hey, you put yourself in the ring, right? There's some old great uh, like Roosevelt quote about the those who criticize versus those who are in the ring, and I, <laughs> I would look it up right now, but my internet would bork out on us. So, so this this idea is that you're putting yourself in the ring, you're putting yourself in the engagement, in the arena, in where the real work happens. So celebrate that, realize that that most people don't do that. That's why it's more rare right now to be an entrepreneur than to have a job because it requires this risk. And not just and it's not even risk of like death or anything like that. It's not even risk of like breaking a bone. It's a risk of getting punched in the nose, which is to me like the most worst thing that can happen. <laughs> when I broke my hand, it was because my brother and I were wrestling and he like accidentally elbowed me in the nose, Corbett, and my eyes I just went like Aah! And I tried to punch him, mm. and then he moved, and I broke my wow. hand. We, ha and we have that in common. <laughs> really? You feel like that's like that's kind of an embarrassing bone to break. The hand, yeah, yeah, because it, yeah. it's like because a clearly you were in a fist fight, but b yeah, you let your emotions get away from you, and you just started swinging wildly, totally like an amateur, totally. just and like you like an hit animal, somebody in the really? skull, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I did the same thing in sixth grade because somebody cheated at handball. Oh, man. And I, wow. pun I punched the, the, him right in the forehead. 
Totally missed. <laughs> totally missed the no, any soft tissue. Just went right for the the big bone and broke my hand. My my friend, my friend was just telling me his his dad's advice. He, he, my friend's big and his dad's even bigger. And he was like, my dad always told me when you punch someone, don't punch them in the nose. Punch them about six inches behind their nose. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, I think that's what Bruce Lee does when he breaks the boards. Yeah. It's like you visualize through. going through it. Exactly. And oh man, I just I I feel like my hand would disintegrate in that sort of thing because I have a uh, I have, you know, I have a slight disposition. So the the slight disposition people, um, even even people with a really, really strong physique, really, really confident. Everybody thinks that they're great. Like my brother, my brother has is like a real stud. It's like a real studly kind of guy. You walk around, you see him like you watch him engage with people. Everybody likes him, but he hasn't done anything truly entrepreneurial, even though he has lots of ideas, I think, in part because he's busy and another part because he's just not taking it that seriously. Right. Because you kind of have to take it seriously to to just get up to it, to get up to launching something. Right. So you're going to have your launch. All right. Now, no, there's a lot of ways to launch things. When I think of launching, I just think of it's a date on the calendar followed by some sort of supporting marketing material for some predetermined amount of time. Okay, so it's a moment that we, that the that the web page goes live. It's an actual time on the calendar. Then it is a it is some sort of a plan or strategy of how you are promoting that that page is now live or that account is now up or that the uh, you know the product is now for sale or whatever it is. And you have that marketing strategy which goes for some set amount of time. And what'll happen is it kind of fizzles out. Or, or like if you don't have a deadline for when it closes, doors are opening this day and they're closing that day, then uh, you won't necessarily, uh, you, you, you can just kind of fizzle out with it. Now, there are a lot of models for launching stuff. Um, there's a lot of, you, you know, you could, you could open and close the doors and like, sorry, access is closed now. Wait, but it's a PDF. I know, but access is closed now, right? Because this is nice because it, 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 it focuses on the real-time nature of our relationships with our audiences on Instagram, on email, on uh, whatever channel that you're using to uh, to interact with these people. They, they, they live in real time. Like right now, the people who follow you on Instagram are having a right now, right now, right? There's a real thing called real time. <laughs> There's a, your heartbeat seems to measure it in some way, and you only get a certain number of those heartbeats. So when you choose which, which day or which right now you're going to launch your thing on, you should also choose what are the subsequent uh, marketing activities that I will do to promote this thing. And there's more conversation about that inside of Fizzle. We don't have to, to go super deep into that. And I love the idea of, of people being able to come up with their own ideas of what to do. For instance, if you have an Instagram account that just talks about... I don't know, just talks about shoes or something like that, your favorite shoes, and you're making a, a slipper, right? You're doing this amazing slipper, and you're kickstarting it or whatever. Well, Kickstarter is the great, uh, like a great example of a launch, right? Because it goes live on a certain date. It's open for a certain number of days, and you have a goal there to pre-fund like some certain amount of money so that you can actually manufacture these this product whatever it is i a lot of my the companies i work with they 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 do a lot of stuff on kickstarter and so thinking through your own product like a kickstarter without necessarily using kickstarter is one way to get your head into how am i going to launch this mode does that sound yeah. good corbin it does and and i think it's useful to separate the product development from the launch mm. like just as two categories of things that you have to work on because with with pre-selling, it's interesting, right? Because you can sell something before it is finished or even before you've started development in some cases. And so I think that just demonstrates to me that that the launch and the marketing of the product that leads up to the launch is entirely separate from the product development. I yeah. mean, of course, what you say in the marketing and in the launch will have to come out in the wash, meaning whatever you say the product is going to do, it will have to do. So you have to be careful about setting expectations with your marketing. Yeah. Um, but it's entirely possible to pre-sell something. And and uh, I, a lot of people, I think, um, just assume that Kickstarter is the way to do that. But I've seen pre-launches done um, 
entirely in private. You can you can pre-launch something to your own list. You don't necessarily have to use a platform to do it. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, pre-launching is is an interesting exercise in a way. That's what we did to get back to the fizzle launch. Mm. In a way, that's what we did with fizzle in a way. That's what any kind of um, beta launch is or yeah. any kind of um, MVP launch is in a way you are pre-selling. You're selling people on here's what we've got right now, but this is a product in the works and it will evolve quickly and get better in a short period of time. Mm. So, so, you know, you may communicate that in the, uh, in the marketing and and in the launch materials with a physical product, it's a little different, right? Because version one is version one. (laughs) It's not, it's not like you're going to be able to change it with software. Although, uh, like in the car world, we're starting to see where, um, software and hardware are really merging together and, oh, yeah. and, and you're able to actually improve the experience over time, which is amazing. But yeah. That's even possible now. Yeah. Hey, uh, quick side note here Yeah. for people who were on the edge of their seats earlier, wondering what Americans fear most. Oh yeah. Have, let's hear it. I have a list. Let's hear it. Percent of Americans who say they fear number one, public speaking. Mm. Number two, heights. Mm. Number three, Bugs, snakes, and other animals. Okay. So I feel like we really got the top three. We really nailed it there. We're kind of going in the wrong order here. But Where I feel the some of the most fear that I've had to push through in my life is in the ocean. Just a murky, yes. dark ocean. And you just, for some reason, there's just too many movies in there in my head. Which which brings up number four, which is drowning. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and I feel you on that, that ocean thing. Sometimes it's not specifically about drowning. Yeah. Oh no, it's never, right? it's, it's a, it's, it's about a beast. like what it's the hell is under there. <laughs> yeah. It's just a vast, like you can't see into it kind of situation. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I saw on Instagram, uh, so my brother sent me some, sends me videos of sharks all the time. And it's just this like camera sort of trolling in uh, like right at the, above the water, just above. And it kind of dips in a little bit and you're like, Oh man, what's this going to show me? Some sharks going to jump and it dips in a little bit again. And you see it like under the surf, like da- down back away, just looking straight up is just this, this really close great white to the camera. And you're like, Oh my, no, no, this is not okay. I did not right. need that image in my head. Totally. Uh, speaking of just under the surface. No, I'm not going to be able to make a transition into, into, into what I want to chat about next, because you, you're talking about this, um, this thing where we launched fizzle, there's something really, really, really important in that. And it, and it, and it juxtaposes or combines with what our, our friend Steph Crowder has been talking about a lot, where she's talking about launching these, uh, group programs. Okay. What's interesting about launching a group program is, you know, you're selling a certain number of seats. So there's only a handful of buyers that you really need. They also know that when they're buying it, they're buying, or, or they can know that they're buying sort of the interactions with one another as well as interactions with you in real time. So it's kind of like a group, a cohort, an actual uh, togetherness thing, which is be- which then becomes part of the product, becomes part of the reason why at the end of it, when you ask them, was this worth it? They go, oh, yes. It was so good to meet these people from such different walks of life who have a similar goal as me, and we're going to continue going in a mastermind, right? The reason why I bring this up is because um, anytime you see someone doing a launch of something, especially someone who isn't like a really, really big person, a, a first launch of something, and you have the opportunity to get involved to just to buy a ticket, to, to check it out, I highly recommend it. Because those people who got our, who are, a part, who are our charter members in Fizzle, like they, we had like seriously like five Full years. Some of them are still in Fizzle, I'm sure. But I remember, I mean, there was a lot of interaction with Darlene Hildebrand, right? There was a lot of interaction with a lot of these early days charter members because they were just there from the beginning. And, it, and, and the nature of them getting to know us there caused them to have the kind of confidence to be reaching out with stuff. We were able to reach back to them and say, hey, what about this? How's your business going over here? What about X, Y, and Z? Have you thought about this? And there was a ton of interaction. Um, it makes me think of there's a guy I follow called Aubrey Marcus, who is the CEO of On It, and, a, and just an interesting guy, has great conversations on his podcast if you can stomach the broiness. But uh, he he launched a thing that was like ten thousand dollars, like just a general personal development for for kind of for for life, let alone entrepreneurship thing. 
Um, and I and I applied to it, and I was fully well ready and willing to just go. Hey, listen, this is the first time he's doing this. I will pay this money to get involved. It was like a year long program. You meet up four times a year or something, and have some. I, I didn't know all the details, but I was totally willing to do it uh, because. It was a first time for him, and I knew that those interactions and the engagements there were going to be unique uh, if, if this—they're just going to be unique. That's what a launch gives you the opportunity to do. By the way, I applied to it and never heard back. <laughs> what? I was, like, I was ready to part with $10,000. <laughs> I applied to it and just didn't hear back. <laughs> so they, sad. <laughs> no, they, no, they've had a full thing going. There's a bunch of people in it, and I feel like, like, I feel like they're they like, per- sorry, sorry, bud, you don't even warrant <laughs> yeah. a response. Talk about a withering soul. The uh, My wife says I have a withering soul. She like, introduces to me to people. She's like, hey, this is my husband. Don't mind him. He has a withering soul. <laughs> when I'm a little more depressed or something. That? I'm fine with it. I do okay. have a withering soul. But it also blooms, Corbett. It also blooms. The sun also rises. So the, the, the point I'm trying to get to is what we did in Fizzle is we actually created a kind of a community event. And it was a small community. At first, Corbett had this audience that he had built that was quite large at Think Traffic, his previous blog. And that was sort of our, our, our little pool, our tide pool that we were launching this thing into. And we got enough interest from that to begin from day one as like, like a, a kind of a thriving pro, like, uh, not I was going to say product, but really a thriving community from day one. Um, thinking about how your product can do that how you can incorporate a more of a communal aspect is a really big deal because uh, because I, I'm a pretty good marketer, but if you look at all my marketing, it's really just a one-trick pony type of stuff. Like I have to make it about a movement. I have to make it about something meaningful, something that stands on its own. I basically have to create a church for this thing, right? Without any God or religion or anything, but it's just, it's just a, a, a worshiping community. And when it fizzle, when I was creating the brand for that, it's like we, we worship is like independence, creativity, autonomy, freedom. Um, like, like this creativity thing can be pulled apart because there's a lot that we want to do with our creativity. We, but we really want it to be profitable for us, for others, for our family, for the, for the customers who purchase from us and all that jazz. Right. So there's something about talking about that fizzle launch Corbett that really brought up for me doing it more like a community based thing as much as you're able to. Why? Because your feedback will then be baked in and immediate. It's a me- the the launch purpose. If you can think about I mean, first of all, it's awesome when you can make it profitable and you can you can earn revenue. Awesome. But that's not the be all and end all. The. The place you are at when you're launching your first product is actually like you're you're not even in business really yet. Don't, don't even worry about business. Don't think about being an entrepreneur or anything like this. Like that's like years down the road where you're at is at the beginning of becoming an entrepreneur where you're looking at feedback and planning accordingly. You're readjusting your course. It's just like being, you know, freaking Magellan or something on a boat with some old primitive like looking glass trying to tell which direction you're going by the stars. Or you could go for another metaphor and go watch Moana with your kid if you haven't recently because gosh darn is that movie so good so good but those early day wayfinders are so legitimate as a way uh, of of explaining what entrepreneurship's like in modern digital times where you can get a lot of feedback you guys you really can get a lot of feedback but what you pay attention to matters it matters a great deal so someone liking your tweet it's just not the kind of thing to be paying attention to. You've got to get this, uh, get this idea uh, installed in your operating system that, um, that not all interactions are, not all positive interactions are actually worth counting as positive. Not all metrics are actually worth measuring. In fact, what you measure is in large part, that's what you're paying attention to. So what you're measuring is going to be something that you're you're like focused on changing, fixing, updated. What gets measured gets done is that old Peter Drucker quote, I think. Um, so when you're thinking about feedback on your launch, pay attention to what you're measuring. And the very first thing you can pay attention to is revenue because 
if you've made a course, for example, if you've made a course on, on cannabis and creativity, let's just say, let's just say someone on this podcast was in the process of putting together a course on cannabis and creativity, how we can, you know, whatever, like really, really make our creative life flourish and productive uh, with the help of, of smart and right cannabis use, for lack of a better I don't know. I haven't written the thing yet, so let's go with that. <laughs> if I, if I, let's say, uh, let's say, if I, if I made that, what was I just talking about? I was talking about metrics, and I was talking about feedback, and I'm talking about when you launch something, the feedback and the results that you get on it, what you pay attention to matters a great deal. Okay, so so you can look at just revenue, or you can look at just comments, or you can look at both of those, as we talked about. Last week, there is some mix for me that I've always needed of actual tangible results, which is like things like data, traffic, revenue, these kinds of analytical things. And then more that was like the quantitative feedback, then the qualitative feedback where it's like, yeah, like I can tell that this person, I don't know, I just get the I just get the right vibe from the amount of feedback that I'm getting from people. I do this every time I publish a video. I just published a video this morning. And I'm, I constantly, like, you know, probably three or four times a day when I launch, I'll check the comments just to see, like, if I'm on the right track. Are people still paying attention? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Are they still, like, there? And you can see, like, they're, they're chiming in with funny stuff. They're having, they're having uh, like, fun little engagements instead of all serious. They ask some serious questions. So I'm like, okay, I'm on the right track here. Don't discredit the value of that kind of qualitative feedback. Because it can it, it can be you know this it can be a real big part of this whole like follow your heart thing, which is just a real thing. I mean, it's just real. Like, like you can follow the data all the way to 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 a successful company and still not really feel like you you're successful in the way that you want to be. If you're uh, if you have a withering soul like me, that could mm-hmm. be the case. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who don't have withering souls and they don't have creative businesses and uh, and they're plenty successful and they, yeah, no, I see a lot of people going like, I wish it was more creative. I wish it was more me. I wish there was more expression. Um, I don't know what to do with that. I've never done that in my life, right? That's not been my thing, but I find myself kind of hungering for it. So don't be surprised when that rears its head uh, on you as well. But I just think there's a really big point, Corbett, in in this story of how we launched Fizzle in these ideas of like Steph's group programs and the sense that you can you can launch something with uh, with a focus on or with a goal to get a particular kind of feedback. We got such good feedback in those early days of Fizzle. It was immediate because what we were selling was this community. Right. We had this whole community forum area and we were in there nonstop and people were asking questions. We were making answers. We were putting on podcast episodes for people, putting together courses live for people. It was like it was a blast. Indeed, it was. (laughs) (laughs) I I finished right as he was pulling off his glasses and like rubbing his eyes like "Ah, I was just settling. I was just settling in for a. (laughs) fireside chat with papa reeves (laughs) yeah i can really go i gotta start my own podcast and just get that stuff done somewhere else so the the group program thing with with steph is interesting and and um i'd love to talk just a little bit more about launches and launch strategy because yeah the way that you launch something really can make a difference in in um how people perceive your product how well you do financially in the early days And, um, we were talking earlier about how, uh, I think we used to say inside of fizzle, like don't squander your launch, Mm -hmm. remember? And that's just the concept of like, this is a useful thing, um, because you can build this energy and buzz and, and get people excited about your thing and give it some momentum from its earliest days, as opposed to just kind of putting it out there and and being like, Hey, I did this thing, you know, Yeah, you you should check it out. So, um, in terms of launching stuff, uh, when, when you brought up group programs, like Steph teaches uh, a group program is basically just uh, a small group coaching experience where you get a cohort together, um, and it's limited in number. It all starts on the same date and so on. And that brings up an important point because, Launches can take many different forms. In Fizzle, when we did our initial launch, like I said, we opened the doors for 48 or 72 hours, something like that, or to 100 members, whichever came first, and then we closed the doors. 
And then we did so again, like two months later and, and, and repeated that pattern. And with group programs, you say, you know, on, uh, September 1st, I'm starting this cohort of maximum 10 people. We're going to meet weekly and blah, blah, blah. And, and here's where you can sign up. Both of those things have something in common, both of those launch styles. And that is they have a time limitation. You have to sign up by this date and they have another limitation, which is number of people. Right. And so those two things, scarcity can be a really powerful driver. And and mm. you see this built into platforms like Kickstarter, right? Kickstarter has scarcity built in because the first, you know, X people who pay, you know, Y dollars end up with this special thing, right? And then those can all sell out. You see on the the sidebar in a Kickstarter, there's these different packages and a package can sell out. And so if you want to get that, you've got to be one of the first like 10 people. A Kickstarter also usually has a time limit to it because it's they're they're working on the funding period up to a certain date or a certain amount or something like that. Mm. So in thinking through your launch, it's important to understand that A, a launch is a one-time event or a, a, a one-time window, and B, there are certain strategies you can follow um, towards launching something that will make your product more successful in the early days. With um, Fizzle, we've talked about that. With Palapa, which I just launched recently, I had uh, a long period of uh like closed beta basically an invitation only situation that's another way you can launch something is have an invitation only period where people are basically um applying to get access to your thing before it's available to the general public and uh what you can do with that is you have more of an opportunity to maybe understand who these people are by um, asking them to complete a survey or something. Mm. And then when it comes to finally launch your thing, you have a list of people already that you can reach out to, right? Because you've had this thing on your, uh, your homepage that says, you know, this is coming soon, enter more information here to get early access or to get information when it launches. So you've, you've built a, a pre-launch list that you can reach out to because a lot of product builders, I think, end up working really hard on the product and not so hard on the audience side of things. And then it comes time for launch day and they're scrambling like, well, how do I find people to to tell about this thing? They don't, they don't necessarily have an idea of, of how to do that. So then they might be reaching out to people who do reviews, you know, on YouTube, for example, or, mm-hmm. um, or just looking for other places that, that people are talking about products that are coming out. So it's important to strategize the launch. We have a whole course inside of fizzle, that um, Caleb Wojcik put together about launching things, whether it be a product or even if you're just launching a podcast or something like that, the, the way that you engineer that is important. And there are in the, in the old school, like internet marketing world, there are people whose careers are built just focusing on how do you launch something? There's a, there's a guy named um, Jeff Walker who put together a product a long time ago. This is one of those big, expensive internet marketing things that people spend like two or $3,000 on. Yeah. And then probably they get upsold to go to a conference or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or then I'm sure you could like buy your email list from their services or something probably, like that yeah, as well. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. This is, this, this goes back a ways like 10 or, or more years. A long and, time. And things were a little different, but, um, the, the product, he called it product launch formula and the, the, the interesting thing there was basically um, deconstructing your launch, imagining that if you wrote a masterful sales page that had, uh, you know, all of the information you needed to know, all of the details, all of the objections, all of the um, the juicy bits about your product that you might use to, to get someone interested in it, and you put that sales page in front of someone, great, okay, they might read the sales page and, and move on. It's hard to capture someone's attention enough and get them excited enough while they're just reading one web page to like want to buy this thing. But with this product launch formula, the idea was basically to take what you would write in an an amazing sales letter and then turn it sideways and put it on a timeline and drip it out over time. And, And the thing that came from this that you've probably seen online all over the place, when someone launches an expensive product, a digital product, there's this like four video series and you get the first video and email and you go there and you watch the video. And then there's like three little boxes that are like grayed out. And it says like 
coming soon, you know, the next video in the series Mm -hmm. and you're waiting for it to show up in email. And so basically you are delivering what you would love to be able to tell people in a long ass sales page in a series of short videos that drip out like, you know, one every three days or something like that, trying to get people um, interested, excited, and really immersed in what your product is going to be. Then you open the doors, you make a big deal about it. You email them 50 times in the span of a week, and then you close the doors and so the idea there is to generate as much buzz, as much FOMO, fear of missing out, as much um, scarcity as possible to gen up a bunch of um, interest in your product. Now, that style isn't going to appeal to a lot of people. Maybe it's not as effective as it used to be. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying that there's something between one day like emailing your friends and family saying, I worked, you know, for years on this product and it's finally out. Would you take a look? And the extreme of going full product launch formula or whatever you want to call it. There's something in between that where you can launch a product doing it as tastefully as you want to, but understanding that there are things you can do to um, give your product momentum in the early days that can last for a long time and, and can give you a boost and can be really important in, in, um, giving yourself the momentum to have the energy to continue on. Because we, the other thing that we haven't talked about that we've seen a lot of times is there's this lull, this emotional lull that you feel after you put something out where it might knock you off your tracks for a while. And you might not have the energy to do the work that you need to do to, improve that product to continue marketing it and to really give it what's due because a lot of people feel like all of this pent up energy leading up to launch and then boom, it's out there. I'm done. Right? Mm. No, like you have weeks or months of work to do ahead of you. And then, and then the years of continuing to build a business and you, you have to like leave a little bit in the tank there. And this especially happens if the launch doesn't go as well as you wanted it to. Right? Because now what did I do all that work for? I put this thing out there and it didn't go so well. And how am I going to convince myself, maybe my spouse even like that it's worth continuing to put even more time into this thing. Yeah. That, that post launch depression or lull is a real thing. Even when the launch is successful, you, I, I, like I've felt that when we've had successful launches and I've talked to people who've had really successful launches and they've felt it as well. Yeah. I think in some ways we're almost making a contract, an agreement some sort of like we're renting energy from the future when we're, when we're doing a launch where we're create we're sort of like renting energy from the future to do a bunch of stuff now. And then it puts us into a little bit of a de- deficit once the launch activities are done. And it can also be mitigated a little bit by, uh, by your, um, your expectations, if your expectations, like, like just being in dialogue with what your expectations are, and also by engaging in that feedback process, getting that feedback and seeing how it's going, really being, your goal is not that this is successful. Your goal is that you know how to create successful things like every time you create something, right? So you're, it's not winning this game. It's winning all possible games is like one way of putting it. Apparently there's this, uh, finite and infinite games book corbett which seems like right up your alley which is the thing that i keep getting recommended to me by so many people who i really admire their intellects but it's called finite and infinite games i haven't read it yet but one of the gists about it is is like learning how to optimize for any particular game that you're playing but then the real skill in life is we're not optimizing for one game we're optimizing for all sorts of games and in fact we're optimizing for every kind of game we might encounter right and sometimes a launch is just one little little game that you focus on and you get it you get it like you get it you drive it through you get the ball into the end zone and that's awesome and sometimes that can be really draining if you if you think it's going to change your life and then it doesn't or if it kind of does but I don't know why I'm so disappointed it can bring up a lot of confusing stuff so I've heard a lot about this launch stuff and I'm liking, I mean, first of all, we talked about the fizzle launch, um, and how we sort of, we did, we did a small number of people in the alpha launch and they were charter members. And we just launched that with like, how many courses do you think we had then? We only had I, like a, 
I feel like maybe we had like six or eight, like something the, like that. Yeah. Now there's over 40, right? So yeah. there, there is, there was a small course library and then there was the community and then there was us. There was our engagement in there and people had trusted us and built up a, a love for us, especially you Corbett. And then we were kind of, you know, helping them solve their actual business problems. Right. So there's the fizzle launch. And there's this idea that a launch is an important event. You know, we always used to say, don't squander your launch because it is a one-time thing for any individual product in, in some ways. You can always relaunch, right? So launch is important. And also the way you launch something can really make a difference, right? You talked about turning a sales page, like a really long sales page on its side and dripping it out and really focusing on building as much buzz and as much FOMO and as much, uh, you know, scarcity as possible to get people into it. And then you also talked about like, you know, sending a group email to your family and friends going like, Hey, I launched this thing. If you guys are interested in it, you can check it out. It's, I don't know. It's like not that good, but it's like, you know, some of you might like it. Like I know that Terry, for example, you had that one thing with your lizard where your lizard died. This might help you with that. Right. It's like there's something in between those, those two sort of ways of launching the way you launch can really make a difference. And don't be surprised when a bunch of huge emotions come up when you launch your thing, by the way, and don't be surprised when after your launch, there's a little bit of a lull or a depression. Just don't be surprised. Notice it. It's like a, it's, it's like a kind of grief almost. It reminded me of grief when I've experienced it in my life. Now I don't feel, feel it quite as much, knock on wood, just because I don't get my expectations as high anymore. Like everything that I'm doing is just one of a lot of things going on. I never quite feel excited and I never fight, quite feel burnt out. <laughs> I don't know. It's a way of protecting myself from both. Um, so and then finally, this, this, well, there's, there's, there's this idea of separating the development of the product from the development of the launch. Like these are really two projects, right? One of them is your product and one of them is your launch. Um, when we're talking about the product, we're talking about an MVP, okay? Putting something together that you believe solves enough of the core problem in as little time as possible for you to make it so that you can get valuable feedback, right? And then there's the development of the launch, which is, uh, which, which I, like I said, I think about it in terms of like a Kickstarter thing, give yourself an open date, give yourself a close date. Even if the cart stay, even if the, like the product is still for sale after your close date, that's when you stop, take three days off of work completely, open up a bottle of champagne, walk around the house naked, watch Netflix, catch up on stuff that you've actually decided not to do while you were launching your thing so that you could stay engaged. I really think about there's the thing that we open the gates to, it's your page, then there's the activity of, of bringing people to that page, right? And then there's, you know, basically you closing the, the, the activity time. You going like, all right, daddy's going to stop the activity now for so that he can actually relax and come back to some sort of baseline. I think of the product is for the person, the individual, and I think of the launch is for the audience, right? That's one way that I kind of I kind of think about it. Obviously, there's audiences built of a lot of individuals, but uh, I look, I give myself tasks to keep pumping my network with a little bit of hits of hits of chase or hits of what the, I mean, another thing we're not talking about here is, is your sales page and the copywriting, the 8020 sketch sheet is really good at this. We'll put that in the show notes. The 8020 sketch sheet will help you with your, with your copywriting needs like crazy because it helps you think through what is the transformation that this person's actually going to go through. What is the result of them taking this course? Not like, how do you get them to buy your course? But like, they bought your course, now they've got it, and they're doing something with it, or aren't they? Or, or like, what? how is their life going to change when they've grokked the things you're, they're te- you're teaching them in your course, or they've, they've implemented this product that you've made into their life? That transformation, that's the thing that I'm, bumping my my networks with right is the transformation and by the way i've just launched this course right now you know but it's like hey you can be more creative you can have more sustained flow more creativity means more productivity if you do it right in fact i just launched this course on how to use cannabis to get great rest so you can be more productive check it out over here it's content that bumps or like you know like hits my network with 
something that they're already wanting, more creativity, more productivity, more whatever in this one example. With Fizzle, it's like a more successful business, an actual like guided roadmap towards creating your own business so you don't have to be all alone just constantly going like, oh, yeah, I should work on my business, and then like it's fizzling out and you don't have the energy for it, right? These are the thing. This is the, the transformation, the stuff that you're actually impacting their life with, uh, and then the course or the product itself is is the how, but not necessarily the why or the what. So I'm bumping my networks with the why and the what, and then telling them here's the how, um, as one as one way of putting it. But one like in closing here, Corbett, can you just like because last week's episode was really all about iteration. It really is. This this thing where you you come up with the product and then you launch it and you and and then you you go th- you create your product you, you develop the product you develop the launch you do both right and now you're looking at the feedback you're getting the responses because you're like what what ways does this need to be improved in what capacity is it already actually pretty good what do I actually have on my hands there's then this iteration process right which is we evaluate. We fix, and then we iterate. So we're evaluating, is looking at where it is right now. What, how did it go? Think of it like a post-mortem. Once that, once that launch window closes, we open the champagne for a day. Then we come back, right, and we go, how did it go? We read that letter that we wrote to ourselves. Here's how, I, here's how I, I'm expecting this to go. Here's how I want it to go. Here's what I want from this product over time. Then that should, that, that might be, you might be surprised how much just reading that letter, if you wrote it beforehand, can help you with the postmortem because it can put you back in that headspace that you will almost like not be able to get back into before the launch. Um, anything in closing here to say on iteration, Corbett, after we've gone through all of this launch stuff? Um, yeah, it's, I think the, the most important thing is to, uh, set your expectations going in because iteration is something that almost every business has to go through. I mean, it's fun to read about the massive successes that, you know, took off immediately from day one, but it's just not likely to happen. Uh, in the trenches inside fizzle, we see people all the time who are really struggling. And a lot of times it comes down to, um, Either you didn't understand your audience or the problem that they had as well as you thought you did going into it. Or, uh, you know, if this is your first time building a product, there's a lot of things that that, that are moving in the process. Mm. And understanding not only how to build a product, how to connect with an audience, but how to package that product and, and launch it. Those are all um, difficult things. And, and that's why we recommend going small to begin with. I love this idea of just selling services to begin with or coaching or something like that, because it helps you um, work through the launch process and, and the sales process without having to invest so much in the product up front. Mm-hmm. But regardless of, of if you're launching products or services, just expect that there's going to be some going back to the drawing board. It happens to everybody. Um, it's, it's a natural part of the process. It's happening to me right now with Palapa, not going back to the drawing board, but definitely going back and, um, and tweaking some things based on what you learn from, from people after your launch. And, um, a lot of times you're not going to know if a product's going to be successful just based on the launch. It might give you, uh, an idea, but it might take three or six or 12 months before you really settle in and have something that people are lining up to purchase. Yeah. So notice that time thing again, if you can make yourself interested in becoming a good diver instead of seeing like you know the the biggest turtle or whatever some some goal that you have of seeing something like the when the product is really you as the diver you as the entrepreneur you as the person with the skill to do to solve any number of problems for someone to to create any number of businesses why because businesses are just people all the way down people have problems people look for solutions to those problems people buy solutions to those problems problems are willing to part with their money if it's actually going to solve their problem but they're worried that it won't so you have to make it feel like it will beforehand they even get it and then you have to actually delight them if you want them to be uh, a long-term customer of yours which is where a lot of sustainable revenue can actually be had right i i think 
you should just rewind that a little bit and just play it every morning that I just went through right there because that's just business all the way down. And making your product is no different. Uh, and launching it is no different. So if you can see this as an excursion, it's like, hey, man, this isn't the most fascinating place to go scuba diving, but it's we are going to go deep. You are going to get like you're going to learn some of these things that we've been putting into practice in the classroom over there or something. Um, so it's an excursion that that will be valuable for you over time. Right. That's how to think about this launch. That's how to think about this product. And that's how to think about this business that you're building. And from all of us at Fizzle. We wish you well. And that's that's like uh, that's all the episode. <laughs> that's, wait, that's not how it normally ends. Okay, so you'll find show notes for everything on this episode at fizzle.co slash uh, fizzleshow.co slash three thirty. That's three three zero. So fizzleshow.co slash three thirty. Then if you want to try five weeks for free of fizzle, it's a big deal to get that for free. We only mention that here on the podcast. Fizzleshow.co or no fizzle.co slash try five. That's T R Y five. You'll get five weeks for free on us. Check it out. Jump into the forums and ask some questions. Actually, they're not the forums anymore. They're a, they're a whole new uh, like like it's a great way of doing community. It's not Facebook. It's not Slack. You're gonna like it because it's its own thing. You get to focus on your business there, and I highly recommend you upkeep a progress log there, which will uh, literally, literally change your life forever. There's probably still people who are keeping their progress log going from the early, early, early days mm-hmm. of Fizzle. That's crazy stuff. Okay, so check out Fizzle at fizzle.co slash try five. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being who you are. Thanks for caring about how you do business. You know, there's a lot of business stuff out there that just wants to get you into some opportunity. Um, I hope that you uh, that you that you feel like you're getting set up, not just for this business, but for all your businesses that you'll create in your life when you listen to the Fizzle show, uh, because we really care about you uh period <laughs> we really care about you i'm just like we always used to have meetups and all the like seeing people in the forums man people are really out there trying to to put their own business together and they want to do it on the topics that they're interested in they really want to make it work and they don't know if it's going to to or not and so it takes a lot of bravery to build a business so you know my my glass is raised to you building your business, trying things out. Over time, who the hell knows what's going to happen? But I certainly know you can be successful doing something you don't like, right? You can get stuck in a job that has like that pays you well, but you really hate. And I've seen the results of that in my own life and in others. So why not try doing getting successful doing something you actually love? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, anyways, talk to you guys later. Find care. Take care. Serve hard. Dig in. Thanks for listening, y'all. Talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show. Bye-bye.